Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. We have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. Action-packed show. XFL Jim is talking some XFL. Nick talking some fantasy football. Jason talking some UFC. David talking some basketball. And of course, Brandon talking some NASCAR. Absolutely, positively loaded fucking episode today. Thanks for tuning in. I am pumped. And I'm not going to lie. So here's the thing. Some of you guys know I'm up early in the morning. And decided to go to Starbucks. It is early. It is like 5 a.m. early. I'm going to, through Starbucks. Pull in. I'm like, give me a venti coffee, one shot of espresso. Boom. Got my shot of espresso. espresso. Took my coffee and drank it. Look at the sticker. This barista gave the kid four shots. So I am extra, extra, extra amped up. If you're watching the stuff on, via video, I apologize because I am very spastic with my hands because I, again, I am so effing amped up on this goddamn effing caffeine pounded waters. So if I'm hyped up today while I'm talking, I immensely apologize. Now, like I said, we have a great show before I jump into all that. March Madness is coming on and I need to talk to you guys a little bit about March Madness before I dive into the podcast. We need to be careful. We need to be smart with our betting. We need to not chase. We need to understand shot regression. And I really feel that positive and negative shot regression is something we need to be aware of. What do I mean by that? Iowa. Iowa was due for some positive shot regression. And that all came on the last 90 seconds against Michigan State and against Indiana. You have to understand, there's been a long time of the season where if a team shoots a certain percentage they're going to eventually get back to that prevent shot percentage so if there's a huge dip it's going to go back and that's why i talk about making sure we're using shot quality and understanding what is going on with everything because there's a lot of people out here that i see giving out basketball stuff giving out plays that just don't take all that into consideration that's what i'm doing for you I am trying to get you guys to understand that, trying to make you guys a better sports better. Because I'm telling you guys, once you guys start winning money in sports, it is fucking phenomenal. Excuse my language. And it is great. It's opened up many avenues for me. I'm here. I'm talking a lot about sports, trying to help you like my boy Brad helped me. And if you have any questions, my DMs are always open. But without further ado, we have a phenomenal, phenomenal show lined up for you today so let's hop right into it we have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to talk x f l and you know what jim it's kind of crazy to believe that we're already in week three can you believe that dude it's fucking nuts i mean it, to me it feels like the xfl's always been here it's forever been in my heart but at the same time the season is like two weeks from now it'll be halfway over which is absolutely absurd you were at the Vipers game, and I just want you to real quick, A, did it live up to your expectations? What was the best part of the in-stadium experience, and what was the worst part? It did not live up to my expectations. I expected a lot more out of Vegas. I did have fun. My best experience was actually not inside the stadium itself. It was outside. So me and, you know, Chase – um 
we were outside. They had a little booth set up to like test your quarterback skills where you could accurately throw a quarterback. Uh, we were heckling kids for a good like 20 minutes. We were just yelling at kids. And that was fun. That was very fun. Not all heroes wear capes, my friend. That's all I'm going to say. Doing, doing, doing God's work right there. My least favorite thing about the state. Oh, also, the food at the stadium was actually really good. Expensive as oh, hell, really? but it was good. I had some elote, and it was mwah, delicious. I don't mean to sound like a nerd. I have no idea what that is. Uh, it's like Mexican corn on the cob with a bunch of uh, spices and sauce and whatnot on it. We call that street corn here. I mean, it's it is street corn. Yeah, that's, that's what we call it here. But it's elote. We just call it street corn here. In it's only street corn when white people do it, Eric. Oh, okay. All right, my fault, dude. I, I'm just saying, dude. Here my least favorite part was probably the seats I picked because I didn't realize the stadium wasn't, like, lifted. Uh, couldn't see over the sideline of the giant players. It's always wild to me seeing, like, professional athletes in person. And, yes, you know, these are professional yeah. athletes. Go fuck yourself if you think not. Um, they are giant. It's, they are huge people. They're huge people. Um, Couldn't see what was happening. Was, was there an apparel store there? How how are the prices in that? <laughs> they were selling merch, but I didn't look or anything because I already have the Vipers hoodie. They were only okay. selling Vipers gear. They were giving away um, – I don't know if I have it on me. No, I don't. Um, they were giving away, like, uh, rally towels. Okay. So I got a free one of those. That was cool. They were just giving those away going into the stadium. That was sick. Okay. Um, but the merch store, it looked, it was cool setup, but I didn't look at any of the prices or anything. Cause I already have, I have a piece of XFL merch for every team. So I'm mm-hmm. already set. Now it was very visually unpleasing to me watching the game. Just how it looked. On See, TV. This is where you and I disagree. I love watching a slop fest. If I was watching that, if I wasn't there in person in that shit, I would have loved that game. No, 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 no. How I'm saying this. No, no, no. I'm saying this. The field looked like shit. It did look like shit. Even before it rained, it looked like shit. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. It, the field looked awful. And just not having anything on one side of the stadium. Just it. it yeah, the fact I, that you're the fact that you're like in that baseball sort of situation where just one sideline has nothing. It was a little jarring. It looked, it looked, so it what looked. they had, what they had on that sideline, it was it was the announcer's booth. So they just had a bunch of scaffolding, and the announcer's booth up there. That was it. It just it visually it was just it, scaffolding. That's the, all that was on the the opposing sideline was just scaffolding. That's absurd to me. And oh, and the jumbotron, I uh, couldn't see that either. It was not a great jumbotron. So I will say this: I brought one thing with the XFL. Every single stadium that we've seen on TV, minus that, has looked great. I would agree. And I was just really disappointed because, you know, it's Vegas. You just expect a little bit more from Vegas. It feels ha- it feels like slap shot and, like, half-efforted. It was half-assed. I mean, they should have never gone there without a stadium deal in pace. Speaking of which, though, I did get a nice look at Danny Garcia's ass. So, plus to me on that. That might have been my favorite moment. So, when we're done talking about asses, let's move on to week three picks. We're going to start off. Must win game for both. Uh, This one is Saturday. 
night and we're looking at the Seattle Sea Dragons who could easily be 2-0 and the Vegas Vipers who could easily be 2-0, but both sitting at 0-2 and with it only being a 10-week season, this is a very pivotal game. We have an over-under of 38 with the Vipers laying Oh, sorry, the Vipers giving three at home, Jimbo. Where are you looking at, my friend? This is tough. This is a really tough one. Biased guy. I might be letting week two color my vision a little bit too much, but I think. I can't hear you, Jimbo. We're having technical difficulties. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, dude. I there hear we you go. Now. I said, call me, call me. Recency bias, Jim, all you want. But I think for if you combine weeks one and two, the Sea Dragons look like a much more put-together team than the Vipers. The Vipers really fell apart in week two. Maybe that's the fact that Hundley hasn't been there very long. He's like I think he's still only been there for like three or four weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. I trust the Sea Dragons a little bit more, even on the road. I don't think that... Cashman's gives Vegas a huge home field advantage. Uh, give me the Dragons minus three, and I like the over in this one. Actually, I don't. I don't like. E- I don't love either of these defenses. What and really? I so like the Sea Dragons' propensity to always go for three. I think they get a lot of those here. They're due for a little bit of regression. Positive. Um, it really stood out to me Viper's inability just to stop the power run with Derek King. That that could be an issue for the Sea Dragons because they they haven't shown that they love to run the ball a lot, but they might lean into it a little bit more because they have they showed in that first half in DC they have a like a decent run game at the very least. Mm-hmm. But you I know you never know. June Jones always loves to throw it around, so you never know. It's going to be interesting to see like what do these teams do in a must win? Do they open up the playbook? Do you take more chances? Do you play it? Do you play it a little closer to the chest? You know, what What do you do? I want the team that always goes for three to win. Give me the Sea Dragons, minus the three. They always go for three, and I fucking love them for it. I love them so much. <clears throat> um, I would... It's interesting, because, like, do you think they're going to play... The teams are going to play it closer to their chest, being a must-win? They might start out that way. So, I know you were talking about on Spring Fever, a little first-half underplay. I'm kind of, that's where I'm kind of leaning. I like it. I'm probably going to do that too. Like but I, if you go three and zero, oh, you're done. Zero oh, and three, excuse me. I I wouldn't say you're done. I wouldn't say that. I'd say you're done, Jim. I'm I'm a negative fucking Nancy, Jim. I wouldn't say well. So both of these teams are in the north, I think, right? Yeah. So, actually, probably yeah, you are. You're in the same division. You probably are because the other two teams in your division are two and zero. Oh. Yeah. So this is a must win. This yeah, this is a must win. I think yeah, if 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 one of these teams is in the South, I would disagree. But both of them being in the division, I think zero and three kind of knocks you out of the playoff race. Now, let's shift our attention. We have a triple header. What a do you tri- think of that, by the way? What do you think of a triple header on Sunday? I actually kind of like it, just because it's a um, in terms of what it's competing against. You got NASCAR, and there's the college basketball games on that day really don't mean anything because it's the la- really the last day of the Power Five, and a lot of Power Fives aren't playing that day. Yeah. So I think it's a day where they can kind of get their 
claws into a market and you're three weeks in the product, this is the key word, should be better. Well, I talked about this too on our show. I think these matchups make for really good games. I mean, they're matched up great, but will they be great? That's a different thing. I'm going to say yes, not biased. Don't, if you're watching, don't look at the background. If you're listening, don't listen to my name. That's XFL Jim. I'm I'm not biased. I'm a negative Nancy, buddy. I'm a negative Nancy. I'm That's extremely biased. Um, now second game, you know, first game of the triple header, we got DC Defenders, my boy, down with the King. I'm gonna make a highlight tape of De'Ara King running the ball playing the run DMC classic down with the King um, laying two against the Seattle Bay C- Seattle St. Louis battle Hawks over under 36 and a half. Give me the what over. Do? Give me the battle Hawks outright. I'm riding the Look magic. Look at you, dude. I'm riding um, this magic, dude. I, I bet against the St. Uh, the Birmingham Stallions in the USFL so many times for the same reason you're going to take the defenders, and I got bit for it every time. I'm going to roll with this Battlehawks team. You're going to roll with them? Yeah. So I'm going to take I'm going to take the defenders here. I think the Battlehawks voodoo wins. I think it taps out here. Um, I like the DC defenders. I like their DC. I like the, I think their DC's has them, how can I put this politely? He does, he puts them in a position to win and he knows what the guys can and cannot do, if that makes sense. Yes. Um. So I really like that. And then you have King with that run game. I absolutely love that. So because of that, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the defenders and I'm going to lay the two here, my friend. If you want to get conspiratorial, <laughs> you can also think about it. Uh, the XFL wants St. Louis to, to basically win everything. Why is that? Because they're the they're they're probably not not I mean television wise they get pretty good numbers but like the home crowd they're they're gonna have like the biggest home crowd support they're gonna have like the biggest market them and San Antonio are the big conspiracy teams because they have the biggest markets they have the biggest markets so that's what you're thinking like they're gonna have the most fans at their at their games I didn't know you're a conspiracy theorist Jim I'm saying uh-huh. if you are I am not but if you are for those people out there next game. A huge number here. We have the Orlando Guardians against the Renegades. And the number is at eight and a half over under 36. For me, it's a principal play. I'm taking the Guardians. Eight and a half already is bananas. Yeah, uh, I already Yeah, I'm it. taking the Guardians. If this was like a rematch against the Roughnecks, I could see eight and a half. Mm-hmm. But the Renegades have shown nothing to me that warrant this number. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing at all. This is a team that didn't score an offensive touchdown in the first game. Their offense has looked putrid. And I really feel that their best quarterback is sitting on the sidelines. I agree. Uh, with the Guardians, I, I would agree with that with both teams. Yeah. With the Guardians, um, I like their rushing attack, like you pointed out in Spring Fever. They just need to decide their quarterback position. That, in my eyes and your eyes too, they're really disorganized. Yeah, they, they're like a really cool looking puzzle, 
but the person putting the puzzle <laughs> together uh, doesn't know what they're doing and they don't have instructions. None at all. None but at all. They have all. a lot of good pieces. There's a lot of cool looking pieces. And I found a money line at plus 350. So I put yeah. a little bit on that too. Sprinkle, sprinkle that. A little sprinks. Last little game. Of that. Last game. We're going to the San Antonio Brahmas against the Houston Roughnecks. We Bang. got we got a Houston Lang for over under 36. In front of the show, Miss El Paso says that going to a Roughnecks game is a must. I bet, dude. <laughs> like I was so disappointed with my Vegas experience because I was also I was I was in my mind. So I went to two games in the old 2020 XFL in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, like it was one of the lower crowds of the XFL. They were getting like eleven, twelve thousand people. Those tailgates at LA Wildcats games were awesome. Okay. They were a blast. And this just didn't live up to it. The Vipers just it wasn't the same. I blame that on the Vipers more than the XFL as a whole because, like, every clip I've seen of Houston, Arlington, uh, D.C. looked lit. Seattle looked fun, uh, although it was on Thursday. San Antonio looked amazing. Like, I'm going to put that all on Vegas. I don't know, man. This was a tough one. This is a tough game. I want nothing to do with this game. (laughs) Like, I don't blame you. You got to figure the over-under is going to be, what, 8? 18? What are you talking about? For the first half? First half. 18 probably. Probably 17 and a half. I would lean first half under. I would too, but I'm going to take the over for the total game. I like both offenses. I love both defenses too, though. What let's see what I bet earlier in the week. I don't want to I don't want to contradict myself and seem like an idiot. I took over 35 and a half. I still like it at over 36. This is my thing. Brahmas are going to try to run the ball. Roughnecks have a tight defense. Uh, Roughnecks, for how good as their defense has looked, I don't like. Um, I don't like High Hole Silver as their quarterback. Um, I like the Brahmas I, defense. I like both these defenses. I like both I think- defenses, and you got uh, Jack Cohn. I really think both these teams. You know, what? I'm going to make. I'm going to play the first step under Jimbo. Jimbo I think these are. I'm going to say these are probably the two best defenses right now in the league. Jimbo, I'm going to have a bet in all four games, buddy. How does that make you feel, bud? What you? Oh, you're just gonna have the first half under in the first game too? Does it? Does that? Do those count or not? That Am counts. No, that that 100 percent counts. Am I on the cool kids list now? You've always been on the cool kids list. I've always been. On so we got no. There's no first half unders. I'm looking at my um the act my action app right now. There's no first half unders posted. So uh, yeah, I'll definitely be on that. I'll make sure I tweet that out, Jim. I'd like to thank you for stopping by, talking a little XFL. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? You can find me everywhere at XFL Gym, YouTube, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Facebook, Twitch. Uh, and once again, this weekend, I will be live stream watching every XFL game this weekend. So feel free to tune into that. It's going to be a long one on Sunday. I'm going to be doing it all day, baby. You know, I'll stop by for a little bit. You know, I got to see what I got planned. Pop for in and out. You know, I'll stop by a little bit. Maybe, uh, Stop by, have a little lunch with Jimbo, watch a little XFL, little Hell little yeah. lunch with Jim, little lunch with Jim. I can do that, dude. Uh, Jim, you know what? I enjoy you talking to you. Let's make some money, and uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. Sounds good.
please give my boy XFL Jim a follow. He's going to actually be live streaming every single XFL game this weekend. So please, please, please give my boy a follow. Now let's shift our attention over to some fantasy football talk with Nick at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Last week, we dove into the tight end position. Now we're going to talk about the wide receiver position for next year. Let's welcome Nick back to the podcast to continue our discussion on the wide receiver position for next year. Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? Great, Eric. How are you doing? You know what? I'm doing good. No complaints. It looks like the, sh- the, the storm is going to miss us in uh, Chicago, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, thank God for that. And it's March. It's almost it's NCAA March. tournament we time. Madness. We got March Madness. You know, did hit the Bradley and uh, Northern Iowa under 63 for the first half to start off the day-to-day. Nice. Arch Madness, always a fun time. And, yes, I said Arch Madness. That is the Missouri Valley Basketball Tournament. Probably the best basketball tournament there is to watch, (laughs) if, if you ask me, my friend. But we're not here to talk basketball. We're here to talk the wide receiver position for next year. Those listening for the first time, basically what happens is this. Nick and I are going to give our top three for next year. We're going to give a player to avoid and a rookie player we're looking to target. Nick, you are the guest on the podcast. I will let you kick it off. Who is your wide receiver number three for next year? Ooh, so I'm going with a guy that hasn't hit the top three yet, but he's going to be a newcomer. I'm going with C.D. Lamb. Uh, you know, his numbers have increased year over year with the Cowboys. Last year, he ended up with 107 catches, 1,359 yards, and nine touchdowns. He played in all 17 games, so health is looking good. Uh, I'm looking to see this trend continue. You know, he's really established himself as that number one guy, that number one target in Dallas. So, you know, each year since he's been in the league, we've also seen his – uh, catch yardage increase roughly 150, 160 yards per season since 2020. Uh, so last year, 1,359 yards. I, I like him to keep that trend going, get him up to about 15, over 1,500 for 2023. Also, it's his fourth year of his rookie contract, so he's got to keep that production up to uh, get himself a big contract in a couple of years. So I like him to step it up and get to be number three. Backing players in the contract here is something I'm always about. I could definitely see CD taking that a step forward. Also, Dallas is going to have some issues on the defensive end. We don't know what's going on in their running game. So I could realistically see CD taking that step forward. My number three, and I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. I'm going with Jamar Chase. No doubt Chase is the alpha in the Bengals war room and He did miss time last season. He averaged 15.3 fantasy points per game. And if he maintained that average for a full season, he would have finished as wide receiver five. So I am predicting an uptick in production with him. But we need to remember this. The Bengals like to run the ball in the Taylor system. And who is their starting running back? Joe Mixon. We need to remember it. Sometimes with these NFL players, I'm not. I don't know what happened. There was an incident with Joe Mixon. We don't know what happened. Nothing's really come up with it. But there could be an issue with him moving forward. How does losing Mixon affect what the Bengals want to do offensively, which in, in terms will affect 
Jamar Chase. You also look, Bengals do play, play some teams that are very elite defending the wide receiver. Also, there's all these rumors that because of T. Higgins' contract and that, that coming off the books, that coming up for renewal, they may look to move him. We need to remember with how the Bengals have everyone's contract, Higgins, Mixon, Jonah Williams, everyone on their defensive line, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all those guys' contracts basically come up at the same time. So, I mean, if they move Higgins, that could allow teams to roll more coverage to Jamar Chase. I'm still expecting him to bump up to number three, but I, I, for me, that's as high as I can rank it. All right. It's fair. <laughs> Who is your number two? Well, I think we have the same number two. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going with Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, obviously coming off of his amazing, insane career year. Uh, you know, he's still going to produce next year. I just don't think he's going to, he can't hit those same numbers um, year after year. He's obviously an elite talent. Uh, he's still going to be in the top three, uh, but I, I got him at number two this year. Um, I like it. Uh Jefferson, you know, led the Vikings in targets. 28% target share was wide receiver one for the season. But the main thing that I like to do is I like to fade players coming off of a career season. And, yes, that is what he I am doing. I am fading him coming off of his best season ever. Also, you're bringing in Hawkinson. What is Hawkinson going to do there? How is he going to cut into his targets? And it doesn't take anyone to know that the team that's due for the most regression in the NFL is the Minnesota Vikings. I think it's unrealistic that Cousins is going to have that good of a year. Lions defense getting better. Bears have a hundred million dollars in cap room and a very high draft pick. You know, their defense will get better. Packers defense. If they if they actually shadow him with Jerry Alexander probably would be for the best thing. So, I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to have a down year, but I don't think he's going to be wide receiver one. Yeah, we're only slightly fading, slightly fading him. We're slightly <laughs> having a down year. I so, mean, I, I I totally agree with you too. I mean, Hawkinson. We talked about it last time that you know we think Hawkinson's going to be the number two wide uh, tight end next year. So, you know, yeah, he's going to take some of that share. I still think, you know, because Jefferson is just so elite, he's still going to get his. Uh, he just won't be that number one at the end of the year. Now our number one. <laughs> what did you All know? right. So our number one, you know, we, we disagree a little bit on this, but uh, I'm actually going with Jamar Chase as number one. I know he missed four games last year. The Buffalo game got canceled. He still finished in the top 12, even with all of that. Um, he's obviously still that focal point of the offense. In my opinion, he has that great rapport with Burrow. They played with each other in college and pro level. Uh, if he's truly healthy this year, I think he's really motivated to get back up to that top spot. Um, and, you know, I know you talked about the offense, you know, there's a few things in possibly in flux there. I still think it's going to be pretty similar to last year. And if he doesn't miss any games, I think, uh, you know, he's going to get back up over, I'll say, 1,600 yards and okay. be that number one guy. I think he's a tough guy to predict. 
I think there's a lot of moving pieces to the Bengals offensive yeah. line issues, defense, not defense, excuse me, offensive issues with some of the key players. Now on the flip side, let's say they do trade T Higgins. That does open an abundant of targets. Maybe we see chase chase's production go up because of the open targets, but it's an interesting scenario to be, needless to say, with the Bengals and the offense. So I see it. Could it happen? It could easily happen. My number one, and I think this is someone that's kind of being a little bit overlooked. Cooper Cup. Injuries to him and Stafford last year, people are just kind of overlooking him. Stafford's banged up. He's old. Cup's coming back from an injury. Cup only played in nine games for the Rams. Second in the team in targets, 19% target share. He also led wide receivers in fantasy points per game. If he maintained that average for the whole season, he would have made him wide receiver number one. And there's one thing, and I'm the hugest Lions homer in the in the world. That's and Stafford did that when he was here, and he did it when he was with the Rams. He targets the number one wide receiver. He's got one guy he looks for, and he goes to him. And I think that's just going to continue. And with the Rams' defense possibly in a rebuild, because, look, you know, you've got uh, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey. You know, Wagner, they mutually agreed to part ways. Ramsey rumored to be traded. Don't even know what's going on with Aaron Donald. That defense could take a step back, could be forced to throw the ball a little bit more, get some more points. I think this is going to be – and their run game is non-existent without poor their offensive line is. So I think this is going to be a huge game, huge year, excuse me, for Cooper Cup. With all that being said, that is why Cooper Cup is my wide receiver, number one. I like it if Stafford can stay on the field. I agree with you there. He does love his number one guy. He's a security blanket. So I like it. But one interesting thing we need, I, I feel like we need to talk about before we go in. Why is why drafting wide receivers just so, so important? This is the top 10 last year of ADPs per Per fantasy pros, Jonathan Taylor, number one. He was he was going off the boards at number one last year. Injured, non-existent. Christian McCaffrey, you know, he did finish top 10. Austin Eckler, you know, he did finish top 10. Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry, nowhere near that. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, underperformed. Najee Harris at eight, underperformed. Joe Mixon at 10, underperformed. Alvin Kamara, 13, underperformed. DeAndre Swift, 15, underperformed. Aaron Jones, 17. Nick Chubb, 20. Nick Chubb at 20th was a great pick. Yes. <laughs> With all that pick. being said, my point is this. I really feel next year we need to, when we do this going into next year, we need to recalibrate how we – Think about drafting and not be archaic with our mindset and look to draft wide receivers earlier instead of running backs and just get a running back. You could have got Nick Chubb. His ADP was 20. Yeah. So at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round, boom. That's that's where you could have got Chubb. And I really think like moving forward, that's what we need to start doing is looking to draft those wide receivers and get 
those points with like a cup, a chase, a Jefferson, and then just get the running backs later in the game. What's your thought with that? Yeah. I mean, obviously we know the game has changed. Uh, You know, teams are passing the ball like crazy. They're, they're throwing it around. They're getting to the wide receivers. Wide receivers are putting up really big numbers. And, you know, as we saw it last year, I mean, you had cup Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, Jefferson, Chase, all these guys going in the first round or, you know, early second round. There was just, it's that you can see the trend slowly changing where people are, you know, because before a few years back, it was, you know, you took eight running backs in the first eight picks, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. nobody touched anything else unless it was a quarterback heavy league and they took a quarterback. But yeah, it's, it is, the game is it's slowly evolving and we really start needing need to start looking at taking wide receivers as our first round picks yeah we need to get ahead of the curve with the way we are thinking now let's shift our attention over to our bust who is a player you think is going to bust and who you're gonna and you're not going to look to be targeting i'm going to stick with my guns i talked about this a few weeks ago i'll talk about it again tyree kill i'm busting him out uh, again, another, he had a career year. I'm going to fade him on a career year. Uh, obviously there's still questions around Tua as we've talked about. We don't know if he's going to play. We don't know what's going to happen there. Then there's quarterback questions all around. Who's going to, who's going to play? Who's going to be passing the ball to him? I know he gets his targets, but I, I just think he's going to take a step back. Uh, the last, you know, this past year was the only year that he's gone over 1500 yards in receiving. And the last time he got close to 1,500 yards, the next year he only had 860 yards receiving. Granted, he did miss a few games. He missed, I think, three or four games. But that's a over 600-yard drop-off the next year. And I, you know, as we both talk about, we like fading guys after they have just insane career years. And I think the the AFC. East was a little shocked when Tyreek came about, but now they all know. They all know how to play against him. They've seen him. They all have seen him twice. It's it's going to change this year. I agree with you. Uh, big question at the quarterback position. Tua couldn't play in the flag football game because of his concussion. People need to remember that. Yeah. Also, <laughs> soft tissue. I mean, Tyreek Hill, to me, gets hurt a lot with these hamstring issues. And with just the way he plays and how dynamic of a playmaker and how his fast twitch muscles work changing on the dime, I think he could miss some time. So I agree with you. I'm completely going to be fading Tyreek Hill. My fade, to me, this is a pretty simple one. I'm going with Mike Evans. In 11 out of 15 games, he scored in single digits. This is a complete low floor, insanely high ceiling. You don't know what you're going to get. He played in 15 games. 11 out of 15, he didn't even crack 10 points. Let that sit in. He had that. He had three huge games all season and one medium game, and that's why he finished as high as he did. Also, we don't know what's going on in the quarterback position. No Brady. Are they going to roll the rookie? Are they going to bring in like a Derek Carr? Who knows what they're going to be doing there? So there's that big question for us. You have David Kenny's coming in from Seattle, so they're going to be changing offensive schemes. 
Is it going to be more of a run-based scheme? How is that offense going to look? A lot of questions because of that. I don't want anything to do with Mike Evans going into next year for fantasy football. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And Evans, we all know that he's, for most of his career, he's been pretty touchdown dependent. You know, he's been that guy that, you know, when he gets to double-digit points, he's got got two touchdowns (laughs) in his hands. Uh, So I I totally agree with you there. There's way too many question marks in Tampa Bay right now. uh, And I would... I would definitely stay away from pretty much all Tampa Bay wide receivers. <laughs> I agree 100 percent. Now, lastly, you know, great rookie class coming in. What rookie are you looking? Do you think could break out? What, and tar- who are you going to target? You know, I actually like the guy from Boston College, Zay Flowers. Um, he's he's five nine, one hundred and seventy two pounds, but he's he's a fast little guy. He's great in space. He finished last season at BC with 78 catches, 1,077 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Um, he's a he's a dynamic run after catch option, and he can be a real th- receiving threat at all three levels with his speed. So the the comparison the NFL comparison would be like a Tyler Lockett. So I think if he gets on the right team, good quarterback. With a with a good arm, I think he can be a real threat on the field. I like that kid. I like him a lot too. I think he's gonna explode. I think for him, if he gets with the right system, I think he's gonna look insanely take off. Mine is and this is someone he may not even go for a start. We need to remember the Lions got Amron St. Brown, I believe, in like the sixth round. You know, they got him insanely late. But if he gets in a system like the Lions have, he could just insanely ball out. My rookie, and I'm going with someone who got hurt, I think is getting overlooked a little bit, Cedric Tillman. If he didn't get hurt, I really think he'd be the number one wide receiver on everyone's draft board coming out. Tough, physical guy, has a huge catch radius, can catch balls in traffic. I really feel after the combine, after the workouts happen, we're going to see this guy slowly draft up boards. And right now, he's just getting overlooked. I think you put him in, hypothetically, let's say he goes to the Cards. Like a system like the Cardinals, the Texans, so, you know, any even wherever. I think he's just going to thrive wherever he is just because he's a big physical guy and he can catch the ball in traffic. Yeah, I like him too. He's a, he's a big boy, and I like him. So, Nick, I would like to thank you for – coming on the podcast and giving your time next week. We're going to be shifting our attention over to the wide, excuse me, to the running back position. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend. You can find me at NAA fantasy on Twitter. Always a pleasure, Eric, and look forward to running backs next week. We'll talk soon, my friend. Good luck. If you invest in sports this weekend, Nick. Please give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. There is an absolute huge UFC card this weekend, UFC 285. And my boy Jason at Bully the Line comes on. Him and I are going to talk some UFC now. So let's jump right into it and see what bets we're going to be locking in for the big fight card this weekend. There is a huge fight card this weekend in the UFC with UFC 285. And who better to come on? And talk about it, plus tell you what bets to lock in. Then Jason, a.k.a. 
at Bully the Line on social media. Jason, how are you doing today, my friend? Good. Thanks again, man. How are you doing, Eric? Thank you for having me on, man. I'm doing good. Doing good. You know, bracing for this alleged snowstorm that's going to be gracing us here in the Chicagoland area. <laughs> but I got no complaints, my friend. Interesting card. You know, we got Jones coming back, making the jump up to heavyweight. We got Sevinchenko, an absolutely loaded, loaded prelim card, the debut of Bo Nickel, who is getting hyped up like we haven't really seen before. So interesting card, interesting to see what bets you are locking in. We're going to start, we're just going to work our way up. We're going to start with the prelim card and then go through the main card and just tell any bets we're looking to lock in. Jason, I'll let you start off. What is your first bet? Yeah, man, I'm going to start off on the, uh, you know, the, the prelim card there. I'm going to start with Derek Brunson versus Duplessis. Uh, you know, Derek Brunson comes in 23 and 8 versus Duplessis 18 and 2. And uh, the odds on this one, uh, you've got uh, one second. Sorry, you've got um, you got Duplessis about a, a minus 230 favorite versus Derek Brunson 185. And these are two guys that, uh, you know, pretty much are wrestlers, pretty much are both you know, ground and pound wrestlers. And, um, you know, both of them don't really have a lot of cardio going for either one of them, especially Derek Brunson, who's basically been knocked out uh, in his eight losses. Six of those have been by knockout and um, hasn't fared really that well in his last couple of fights, you know, as well. So uh, when it comes to this, I'm going to go with the guy who could probably have the, you know, stronger cardio um, when it comes to the fights and that's Duplessis. And so, I basically have him as I look for him to do TKO and uh, over one and a half rounds. So right now my book does not have a number on Duplessis by TKO, but uh, does have a number on the over one and a half rounds. And that's what I'm going to roll with. Uh, so over minus 165 on over one and a half rounds in this fight. I just think that these both, I think they're both going to go at it pretty hard, you know, that first round and hopefully can, They'll be worn out by the time, and so maybe, uh, you know, Duplessis can get that knockout. So that's kind of how I see this one kind of playing out. Just uh, just two guys who just don't have a lot of cardio. I'm okay. Duplessis, I'm looking at it on FanDuel right now. Obviously, the state, North Carolina, where you're located at FanDuel, hasn't graced you yet with their, their presence and their wonderful customer service. I'm being facetious. They're at plus, he, plus he's at plus 125. 125. For, Plus one twenty five for knockout. Yeah, I like the plus number, so I would I would roll that. Hopefully, my uh, hopefully my book will um, get that um, you know that prop up, and that's probably what I would take. My first bet, I I am going to be in the prelim as well. I am going to the fight right after that. I am looking at my girl, a phenomenal Instagram follow, Amanda Ribas, against Vienna. Or Girona, and I know I just totally, totally just butchered that name. Both of their grappling is going to be canceling each other out. So I really feel this just comes up to a stand-up game with Ribas' stand-up game. She's going to win this, and she's going to win this by decision. She throws more punches. She's faster with her striking. She's going to be throwing more, more volume. All that is going to be more visually appealing to the judges. So I'm going with Ribas by decision at plus 155. I think that's their only path to victory. 
I mean, if you want to play conservative, I have no problem laying the money line of minus 120, but I don't see her submitting her. I don't see her knocking her out. I think you take the plus money, you play the plus 155 by decision. So that's my first bet on the card. Now we're going to shift our attention up to the main card. We don't have anything going on in the Nichols fight, but real quickly, this kid is getting a lot of hype. Phenomenal wrestler. And like elite, like elite wrestler. But And every champion we've seen has had that wrestling pedigree. Great on the ground. Can get him to the ground. But I mean, like we're seeing like what? Like minus 1900? You know what I mean? Like that's just a little bit too much for somebody making. No. I'm looking right now, minus 2,200. Crazy. I mean, geez, that's just a little bit too much. I mean, yeah, imagine- when, I look, when I looked at this fight, there was just nothing there that I thought that had any sort of value that I could play. Uh, maybe throw them in a parlay, uh, maybe that route, but is it even really worth it? Maybe, maybe, you know, if you're hanging out at the party or something, throw them in a parlay, but. Really, I just saw nothing of real real value overall when it came to you know when it came to just betting. So I'm just gonna enjoy that fight and that's how kind of that Can you imagine if this kid went in there and he lost? Oh my god. I mean, no, no, that's, that's the other that's the other way to do it. I guess she played picket or nothing. Yeah, I mean like if if I'm doing this like this, I'm almost getting ten to one on a guy on a guy. Who's uh, who's been in the cage before? Been in the octagon against someone who's only had two fights in Dana White's Contender Series. And I look, I get it. He's an elite wrestler, all American. He's won the Dan Hogan Award. I get it. I understand it. <laughs> but that's a big price. This is like a huge. I, is John Bones Jr. John Bones, who's considered the greatest of all time, has he ever been this big of a favorite? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like. Price-wise, I feel you need the fade him, but I'm not betting the kid. If you do, you know, that, that's on you, but I, I could never bet him. We both yeah, have no, a, I think the only place throw a couple bucks on picket. I wouldn't even yeah, go. Yeah, throw, throw <laughs> you know. 25 bucks on it. 25 bucks at 10 to 1 to win 250? Why not? Yeah, that, that's, that's the only play I've seen that fight. Now, we both have a bet in the Turner-Gramont fight. I'll let you kick it off. Where are you, where are you going with here? Yeah, man. Uh, in this fight, uh, you got about uh, Gamer looking. Gamer looking at about a minus two thirty favorite. We got Turner at plus one eighty five as a you know as a dog there. Uh, and this once again is another fight where two wrestlers that are kind of submission specialists. A lot of their fights go the distance with, between the, both of these two, um, especially with Gamut. His last fight was in a decision. Uh, actually, his last uh, let's see. Two out of his last three fights have been by decision. And I like this one to go the round. You know, the value I saw, um, and also with Turner, is just a submission special. So both of these guys are going to be at the ground. That's going to be wasted time. I think it's a very, I think it's a really close fight. I think it's one of the better fights of the night, uh, I think, you know, going into the pay-per-view. But I got this one going the distance at plus 185. Um, you know, with that plus money, I think it's good value for two guys that are pretty much on the mat the entire time. And that's just ticking taking those uh, rounds away, uh, you know, taking away the uh, time on those rounds. So uh, I like this one to go the distance. I think there's value in that plus 185. I like it. I like it. I think this one's going to be a long fight. And 
I took Turner plus the 185. My thought process is this. I think he's got more power than Gromont has. And I think if this is a stand-up fight, I think he's got a huge advantage. We need to remember he has a seven-inch reach advantage and he's five inches taller. This is a big guy. I don't think Gramont, when he goes for that single leg, is going to be able to get him to the ground. And this is going to force it to be more of a stand-up fight. And if this is a stand-up fight, I think Turner's got a phenomenal, huge advantage. I graded this when I made my lines for this closer to like a minus – no, it's closer to like a plus 120, plus 115. I'm getting plus 185 on Turner. To me, that's a no-brainer. So I took Turner plus 185. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great bet. Uh, and also, you, you know, he's uh, pretty much you know Turner is has an advantage in a lot of areas. Also, his leg reach he's got a seven inch leg reach too as well. So take that into consideration too as well. You know, with that plus twenty five. Um, yeah, and if you also look at um, you know uh, Turner's uh, last couple fights, submission, submission win, TKO, submission. So he's Three out of the last, three out of the last uh, two, he's yeah. choking them out. So, um, uh, yeah, I think I think Turner should not be uh, definitely should be a low, little bit price, a little bit lower price on him. Uh, I, I have a closer, kind of, a, kind of like a weird line a little bit, but now our next one, we're going to Neil against Rachmanov. You have a bet in this one. Who are you going with, my friend? Yeah, this one, once again, this is going to be um, another one that kind of goes to this. I have this one, and I try to find the best value because as of right now, Robinoff's about a minus 525 favorite. Um, and then you have uh, Jeff Neal plus 365. Um, once again, this was another fight that I, that I saw on, on paper. These two can kind of go the distance. And uh, I got this one going over two and a half rounds at plus 145. Um, these have all, all the last fights between Robinov and Jeff Neal have gone into the, uh, either have gone to decision, especially in uh, Neal's fights. The last three out of his last two have gone to decision. Uh, so he's lasted a long time in these fights, has the cardio to last. And, um, Robinov's a, you know, submission specialist. So he's going to be on the ground too, as well. I got this one over two and a half rounds, saw the value plus 145. I like it. I like it. For me, this this fight for me was the toughest one to predict. I think Neil's takedown uh, defense is a little underrated, and I think Ramanov's stand-up is a little better than people realize. So I think this fight is going to be – could sneakily be the fight of the fight card, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the majority of also of Ramanov's uh, uh, fights go into the second round uh, as well. So he's got that – history of going kind of the distance sort of deal. Um, but he, you know, he's, he's going into these later rounds, which I does, I do think that kind of favors that. Oh, so maybe getting that over two and a half. So. I like that a lot. I think this is going to be a long fight. I wouldn't surprise me if it goes to the judges at all. So I completely, completely agree with you. My next one is I'm going to the co-main event and we got Alexa Grasso Grasso against Savachenko, and I think we can all agree it's only a matter of time before Savachenko will lose the title, but I don't think this is it. She's a great grappler, awesome jiu-jitsu, and with that being said, I think Alexa 
is going to look to use her boxing to keep the distance and make this fight standing. I think Sevacheco is going to use her kicks to close the distance. And once she's able to close the distance, she's going to get Alexa on the ground. I'm seeing submissions at prices at plus 260. If you want to take the plus 200 and knockout, this is going to easily be a ground upon, but I think she's going to look to get this crucifix in and make her tap. I'm going to take Sevachenko plus the 260 submission price. Awesome. Now, the main event, and I, you know, this is a little, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right now for those listening and for Jason. Chael Sander, son, what is son's Chael? What's his last name? Channel, um, the guy that fought Silva. Silva came back and beat him. I'm spacing his name. <laughs> it's like Ch. Um, but he was on a uh, MMA podcast, and he was alluding to some sort of love triangle between Sevachenko, Holly Holm, and John Bones Jones. <laughs> really interesting listen. Really alleged. Sorry, I was supposed to say the word allegedly, but alleged love uh, love triangle. So we got John Bones Jones coming back to the Octagon for the first time since February 8th of 2020. What's your thought process here in this way? Yeah, man, um, you know, Going with value, and I'm a big John Jones fan. Like I've always loved his fighting style. I always love watching him, watching him fight. He's basically the goat. Like I think he's basically one of the you know one of the best fighters out there, uh, hands down. Um, but when it comes to a betting aspect of it, um, I'm I'm always looking at you know the value of the numbers. And Jones had a three year layoff, and um, so he hasn't fought in three years. And even his fights three years ago, like. Uh, his last fight was, uh, you know, against Dominic Reyes. Well, the decision, unanimous decision uh, against Santos. There's a decision there uh, against Anthony Smith. A decision there. And on some of those fights, you could argue that he should have lost those fights. Um, so his history coming into this fight, plus the layoff, uh, has me a little, you know, a little concerned there. Um, so and also John Jones, we move it up to the heavyweight division. Will that um you know, will that have an impact? You know, if you don't know, that could could affect him. You, you don't know in these kind of fights. And, and you know, Gagne is a good striker and a good leg kicker. So, um, you know, he's going to have his, you know, be able to hold his own, I think. I think the layoff just has me a little spooked on my end. Uh, I'm going to take Gagne plus 150. And I like this one to go the distance, too, as well. Minus 120. Um, just the layoff really just has me, uh, you know, question marks there. I love John Jones, man. The guy's awesome, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the you know plus money here with uh, Gagne. I like it, and I'm gonna go down a little path. We need to remember that Jones has a history with, we'll say, some enhancement drugs. We'll use that term. You know, like how much did that put into the greatness that he was? You know what I mean, like. We got to remember that. We got to remember the testing is a lot more elaborate than the last time he, he he has fought. This is the biggest guy by far he's ever fought against, and he hasn't been in the he hasn't been in the octagon for two years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, you got to play one of the two guys. You got to play either. No, let me ask you about this. What about playing um, him? Your bet or? I mean, could we say Jones's only path to victory is decision? 
That's the way I'm seeing it. Um, you know what I mean? Like maybe play it yeah. like that. That way, like you have it in either or. I I don't know. I'm just this fight to me. Another one. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just spitballing ideas with you off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of spotlight on the judges and things like that with UFC. So I think uh, you know. The last thing UFC needs is a fight where there's a controversial decision, favors Jones. They're going to say, you know, it's rigged, blah, 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 blah. So I think the I think the judges um, are, are going to need to be, you know, definitely, they're always fair, but they're going to need to, you know, they're going to really need to favor the, the real fighter this, you know, this time, you know, that if that comes into play. Um, so this, this fight, a ton of questions about, I really have no idea how it's going to play out. This is going to be a fight for me. I'm just going to sit back, crack open a tasty Corona, and just take it in. Jason, I'd like to thank you for coming on and talking some UFC. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, my friend? Yeah, you can follow along on Twitter, uh, at Boy the Line. I'll throw some plays out there. And Taylor Fade, man. Hey, you know what? It's all about making that money. I appreciate you coming on. You're going to also, once – NHL gets a little bit closer to the playoffs. You're going to be coming on talking some NHL and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely look forward to it. Really looking forward to that. I wish you all the best of luck in your bets, and we'll talk soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, Eric, man. Thanks for having me. Make sure you give my boy Jason at Bully the Line a follow. Now let's shift our attention over to basketball. David and myself are going to tell you what NBA and college bets to lock in. After a couple weeks sabbatical, the man, the myth, the legend – is back to talk basketball because football is over. David, how you doing today, my man? Doing well. Trying to get through some power issues <laughs> like across the board in my life, man. Like computer battery, car battery, everything battery. You know, the world wants us to go battery and all my batteries are dying. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I, I'm not, I, I'll just say this. I'm more interested in the other aspect of your life. And maybe one of these days we'll have the other aspect of your life podcast. But you know, that's your personal life. We're not going to talk about that. But that's the part of your life I'm interested in. Not like, not the tech bullshit about stuff dying. (laughs) I could care effing less about that. You need need my tech bullshit in order for me to be here. (laughs) But I I mean, personal life, things are good, man. I've been on the road. Uh, To your point of a sabbatical, I've been traveling for both personal and work travel over the last couple of weeks. So apologies for not being able to make, you know, your podcast in recent weeks, but I've been to Texas, up to Keystone, out to San Diego, out to Chicago and to St. Louis all within like a two week period. So just back to back and finally, finally settling back down home on the mountain range. And those that are wondering, no, you know, when he was in my home state, my home city, he didn't even send me a text message. So David and I did not connect <laughs> when he was in my home city, but maybe, Couldn't. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of these other times, but uh, you know, we're just going to be here. David's got two NBA plays for Friday. I have two college basketball plays for Saturday. We'll just run it through them really quick because we both are wheeler and dealer then. And old uncle Rico over here has one of those old man appointments coming up to you. Dude, I changed doctors. <laughs> so like i have to go in and they're like i'm like yeah can you take me as a patient they're like yeah you gotta come in because we have to run all these tests on you and the last so like i don't mean to i don't mean to brag but the last time i changed doctors so this nurse like hooked me up she's like checking everything and then she like she's like oh my god 
she like, like, like literally she goes oh my god and she's like that can't be right so they like they like move like some stuff in my heart and i'm freaking out a little bit because heart problems run in my family okay yeah, mine too. and um she's like this can't be right so she leaves she goes gets the doctor the doctor like comes in he looks at the stuff the, the, like the machine and everything he said wow this are you this can't be right and I look at him, I go, Doc, you're kind of freaking me out because heart problems run in my family and you guys are talking about my heart rate and I'm a little concerned here. What's going on? He goes, oh, we usually just don't see that low of a heart rate. No, he goes, we only see that low of a heart rate in high level Olympic athletes. He used the term high level. Olymp not Olympic athletes, David. Okay. okay. High level. <laughs> so I'm saying that is the last <laughs> high level. So I'm going to the new doctor. My old doctor retired. So got to get some tests done right. before I go that. But you're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some basketball. We're going to knock this out because we have games tonight that tip off in a couple hours. So, David, you kick us off, my friend. All right. So NBA tonight, I'm going to start with uh, Memphis at Denver. Um, obviously, Denver at home is a very strong, formidable you know, team here. Uh, I just I, according to my numbers in terms of where this line is, I think Denver is getting way too many points. Um, you know, Memphis is also winners of four of the last five, um, you know, similar similarly for Denver. They're also the same way for the last five. Um, so, you know, they've each had a little bit of a break here with, you know, a couple of days, uh, rest. So, you know, I think these teams are actually more evenly matched. My line for this is actually sitting, you know, closer to, uh, Memphis minus two. So, you know, I look for edges where we can find, you know, greater than even three points in NBA. Um, you know, I have a very, very hard line when it comes to my NBA numbers here, so I don't need to look for the variance that I did with NFL as much as I do in, in NBA. Um, so that being said, this is a more of a sharp line in my opinion. And, you know, you're, you're basically getting a, what I could see as a straight up win for, for Memphis, but also, um, you know, getting plus five um, with them, you know, at Denver tonight, I think it's going to be a much closer game. Uh, I have this, like I said, Memphis minus two uh, for my line. So seven point advantage is what I'm looking at. I, I always go with the biggest edge where I can. And, you know, that's, uh, that's the play that I'm taking for my first NBA play tonight. Like it, yeah, Denver, one of the worst teams in the NBA defending the point guard. They give up a lot of points. Josh should be able to do his thing, get to the rim. I like that play a lot. My first play, I'm kind of going with the opposite thing. There's one team in college basketball, which top – probably top 10 team in the country if they played all their games at home bottom 50 team in the country where they play on the road and that's kansas state kansas state is night and day when they go on the road so i'm taking west virginia minus three west virginia has two ways that they score offensive rebounding guess who's one of the bottom teams in the country at rebounding kansas state so west virginia mm -hmm. is going to be able to get a lot of second chance rebounds West Virginia also gets to the three throw line at a top 20 rank in hmm. college basketball. Guess who fouls in the top 25 in college basketball? Kansas State. So the two ways that West Virginia is going to look to score, Kansas State can be attacked. So I absolutely love West Virginia here. 
minus the three and a half as my first play for Saturday. Nice. Nice. Uh, what is your second play for tonight, my friend? So my second play is looking at uh, Utah and Oklahoma City. Um, you know, with this game, it's interesting. Like the, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in what, what drives line movement here and there. But, you know, ultimately, you know, I've got this game um, really at like a better, more favorable line for Utah. I've got it sitting at like a minus eight for Utah, um, close to minus nine. And, you know, they're sitting at even to on some books, uh, some books showing plus one. Um, so, you know, I'm, you could probably find some dog money, money line in there, um, you know, or a pick them kind of situation for yourself when it comes to this. But, you know, really what I'm playing uh, in my favor is the fact that Oklahoma City has not won a game in forever. <laughs> I don't think they've won a game in the last, you know, almost two weeks. Um, you know, and so they're coming off some big losses across the board, Lakers, Kings, Phoenix, Utah, the last time. Um, so I'm just saying Utah is going to run it back on them again. And, you know, I really like the form of where Utah is in comparison. Um, you know, they've won three out of the last five and, you know, they're, they're probably just in better form overall. Um, so, you know, with that being said, I think there's a distinctive edge. Uh, playing Utah tonight uh, against Oklahoma City. And we don't even know the status of Shade Gildress Alexander tonight. He's been out because of um, non-COVID illness. So we don't even know if he's – I'm looking per NBA lineups right now. It doesn't look like he's going. It looks like Trey Mann's going to be starting at the point tonight for them. Yeah, I was just pulling that up as well. You know, that's that's another thing. And I'm hearing the big rumor is they're just – they're just want to – you know, keep, they're all in for the French kid. They want the French kid and Giddy and Holgram and Gilders Alexander. So that makes sense. I would totally like Utah as well. My last bet, I'm going out East tomorrow night, going to Philly. Give me Nova plus two and a half and my thought process for this is really quite simple a yukon is coming off a boat race of depaul so i kind of feel like the number is a little bit representing them number two they're locked into their seating line in the big east so they really their motivation isn't going to be really high Thirdly, you look at Nova's splits ever since Moore came back versus when he wasn't there, completely night and day team. With Moore, this is a top 32 team in the country. Without Moore, <laughs> this team isn't even in the NIT. He's their best on-ball defender. He's their best playmaker, guy with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. You're giving me Nova plus a two-and-a-half, a team that wants to get some momentum going into the Big East tournament. I'm all about that. Give me Nova plus two and a half, my friend. I love it. Now, David, you know, we're going to be doing this every single week. We're going to be talking basketball. Then we'll probably transition over to baseball, my friend. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Thank you. Uh, Yeah, definitely looking forward to baseball season. I 
I had really good success with MLB last year. I cannot wait to give out some of those plays. I always give that about a month to get warmed up though. So, um, you know, we will be in the wings with basketball for just a little while. Um, but yeah, social media wise, you know, look for me on Twitter, better DP 21, better with an OR, um, you know, always happy to try and provide plays. Gave out a winner last night with the Warriors. Let's get two more to cash tonight and keep it rolling into the weekend with Eric's plays as well. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money until next week, my friend. All right, buddy. Thank you. Make sure you give my boy David a follow on Instagram and Twitter at BetterDP21. Now let's shift our attention over to NASCAR. Myself and Brandon hit a nice little 10-to-1 winner with Kyle Busch. Let's see what we have a cooking up for this weekend and Las Vegas. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to talk on NASCAR. And you know what? It's time to do a victory lap because we got our first winner of the season giving out Kyle Busch 10-to-1. Always good. Second race of the season to get off of with a winner. How you doing? I'm a little, little butthurt because when Chase started running him down, I was like, Either way, we win this, but boy, if I let Eric get this one with Kyle before my boy Chase gets it from me, I probably won't hear the end of it. So kudos to you, my man. We cast the ticket, finish 1-2, and hopefully take that momentum into uh, this week at Las Vegas. You know what? It felt good. It felt good to get a win. You know, we got it under our belt, and we now we can just kind of – you know, move on and get ready and keep the boat running. Cause I think was it five out of six, we hit a winner in to end the season, which was absolutely positively phenomenal. Now we're shifting our attention over to Las Vegas. Tell us what there is about this track, my friend. Ah, it's fun. Uh, there's going to be the way these cars, the, the way the new cars are running, there's going to be a lot of arrow stuff all over again. I think it's a mile and a half. Like, I think the Fords are going to be fast again. You're going to have multiple lines, just like we talked about. And I'm going to sound like a broken record throughout the year because I feel like with this new car, you can run so many different lines on these tracks now. But um, any little bump is going to send you down to the infield on the back stretch. So remember this part of the podcast. I want to tell you somebody's hitting head on back stretch inside wall at some point after a nudge in Las Vegas. Now, I have three winners in a top 10. How many do you have for this track, my friend? I have three winners in a top five. Okay. So let's start off with the exotic bet, just the top top five, top 10. What is your top five? My top five is Martin Truex Jr. at plus 140. Okay. I think he's he's been fast, hasn't had the best of luck, had issues last week on uh pit road with the tire coming off. He's going to have a couple guys suspended for it, but uh, I like him at a top five. Anytime I can take Martin Truex top five plus plus one forty, I just can't steer away from it. It has nothing to do with the track statistics. It has nothing to do with his history there. Plus one forty, a top five. I like Martin Truex. I like Truex too. My top 10, I did Noah Grayson top 10 plus two sixty five. Six in his Xfinity career, he had six races at this track, six top tens. Now, granted, he was only ran at this track once, and he finished eleventh. So you know he has had his good history at this track. And I'll tell you what, 
first two races, I have been impressed with what I've seen from the kid. He seems to be headed in the right direction. I'm getting plus 265 with a guy that's had good history at a track. I'll take a chance just to create to at to at the top 10 at that those odds not only good history also his hometown so he's mm-hmm. sleeping in his bed saturday night he's seeing yeah. his family all day saturday he's having lunch and breakfast with his family on sunday this track is good to him and he's a hometown boy so the fact that he's also 80 to 1 which as you guys watched throughout the year he's going to be in that Harrison Burton of last year, he's going to be 150 to 1, 120 to 1. The fact that he's 80 to 1, and you can grab plus, what'd you say, 260, 245? 265 for a top 10. 260 all day. All day, my dude. You got to lock that in. Now let's shift our attention over to the winners. For the winner, what are you looking at, my friend? I'm looking at Ross Chastain. Uh, me and you both know in the years that we've done this, I don't like betting with a small odd at 8 to 1. Ross Chastain is number one in points right now. He's been fast. He's been competitive. He led so many laps last week. These track house boys took a season last year that they weren't supposed to have and turned it into a new season and carrying on that momentum. So Ross Chastain, the watermelon man himself, eight to one for the victory at Las Vegas. I like it. I like it. My first one is someone that you mentioned for your top five, I'm going Martin Truex, 12 to 1 since 2020 at Vegas. He has the second best average finish, two top fives. Let's look at his last five races finished seventh, finished eighth, finished fourth, finished sixth, finished fourth. And he won the race back in 2019. I'm seeing Truex at plus 12 to 1, at plus 1200. I like that bad boy in Truex, plus 1200. All right. I like it. So I'm going to jump down. Alex Bowman, one of the best paint jobs that I've seen so far, or wraps this year. Alex Bowman at 20 to 1. He is very fast at similar tracks last year, including Vegas, Vegas itself. He climbed through the field multiple times because of various issues when they're at Vegas last year. So I see Alex Bowman at 20 to 1. I like it. Good speed. Good at this track last year. In the same car, fought issues, was still competitive. I like Alex Bowman in the Hendricks, number 48, at 20 to 1. I like it. I like it. My next one, and this this line to me, like, doesn't make sense. I'm seeing Denny Hamlin at plus 1,200. Last time they raced here, he is plus 650. Yeah. Since 2012... Since 2012, since 2020, he's led 21.2% of the laps. Yeah. Last five races, fifth, 32nd, won it, fourth, and third. So incredible track history here in his last five. Intermediate tracks. He's got the best average finish since 2020 and tied with Kyle Larson for the most wins on intermediate tracks. You're telling me I'm getting Denny Hamlin at Las Vegas at the immediate track at 12 to 1? That's just a no-brainer for me. All right, so with you saying that, I told everybody, and you asked me how many bets do I have for the winner, and I said three. I'm now going to make that four. I didn't even catch that. Huge grab, Eric. Yes, 12 to 1, Denny Hamlin. <laughs> yes, all day. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to at that price. At, at that price, you have to. 
last bet, my friend. Who's your number three guy you're locking in? All right. This one stands out to me because when I checked the odds when they were released earlier this week, it's another track house, Danny Suarez in the number 99. When the odds were released, he started at 50 to 1. He's now down to 25 to 1, at least on DraftKings. And on another sports book, he is now at 20 to 1. So depending what book you grab, it's going to be 20 to 25. He looked good last week. Something tells me that uh, we always say Vegas knows something. To watch somebody come in at 50 to 1 and then drop to 25 to 1 before qualifying even happens is odd to me. So just because of that and the speed that I've seen out of Trackhouse, out of him, out of his teammate, I'm rolling Trackhouse all weekend. Danny Suarez, the number 99. Either a watermelon's going to be smashed or a pinata's going to be smashed. And we're going to cash a ticket. So either the 1 or the 99. So I like Danny Suarez. 25 to 1, 20 to 1, depending on what book you bet with. For those that don't know, please explain the references that you're making with the watermelon and everything. So, <laughs> Ross Chastain, his whole family's owned a watermelon farm. So, every time he wins a race, he smashes a watermelon. When Danny Suarez got his first win last year out in California at the road course, he smashed a taco pinata. So if you guys are rolling on my ticket, at least you're either smashing a watermelon or busting a pinata come Sunday with the one or the 99. I like it. I like it. My friend, my last one, I'm going chalk and I hate myself for doing this, but I'm taking Joey Logano eight to one since 2020 fourth best average finish two wins has 11 top 10 finishes here. And he also won the rate. He, he won this race in 2022 and 2020. So he has elite history here. Yes, Eight yes. to one chalk, obviously for a reason, but you know what? I got to take it. So for me, it's Noah Grayson, top 10 plus 265. Martin Truex, 12 to one. Joey Logano, 8 to one. And Denny Hamlin, 12 to one. What's it? What are yours again, Brando? Truex, top five plus 140. Ross Chastain, uh, plus eight, eight to one. Alex Bowman, 20 to 1. Danny Suarez himself, 20 to 25, depending on what sports book you bet with. And that that's what I got. And I'm going to sign off. I hate to piggyback you because I always like to have my own picks. You know this. But finding Mr. Danny Hamlin at 12 to 1, I'm going to roll with that with you as well. Can't can't steer away from that at all. I mean, it's absolutely insane we're able it to is. get 20 to 1 uh, on this guy. Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? Off the or Boston Boy 83, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter. Hopefully jumping back on that sim here soon. Just got to clean the dust off of it. I look forward to that day, my friend. I wish you nothing but the best in your bets. Let's make some money, man. Let's keep the gravy train rolling, my friend. Yes, cash those tickets. We're going to go two for three this year. Let's go. Please make sure to give my boy Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83 on everything Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, and whatnot. That is it for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Absolutely loaded weekend. I'm going to be all over the place. A lot of basketball bets. I am getting absolutely murdered so far on my Missouri Valley unders trend, which is brutal. 
and I'm getting a lot of shit for, and I'm sorry, guys. But, hey, it's one of the angles I like to do, these first half unders in the conference tournaments, especially the Missouri Valley. Per shot quality, I'm hitting winners, but that doesn't matter in the real world of betting. And if you're not using shot quality in your sports betting for basketball, I have no idea how you do it. But we'll talk more about that next week with March Madness going right around the corner. I will be at the Big Ten Championship. If you come up and say hi to me at the Big Ten Championship, I will buy you a beer. So come up, say hi to me, talk, talk some shop, talk some betting, talk some basketball, everything. I will be there for you. Also, remember the ETOF21 Sports Show is back live Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. We'll be previewing all the Power 5 conference tournaments. Until next week, boys and girls.